Welcome to Happiness 2.02 podcast. I'm your host, John Tuckums, founder, author, World Government Summit participant, and Forbes featured TEDx speaker, an inquisitive human who loves root knowledge. Happiness 2.02 is a mental health show for entrepreneurs that provides the full human cognition and the full breathing oxygen tools to rapidly shift states of mind and increase energy. Podcast guests include organization founders, world-renowned executives, MDs, PhDs, and remarkable leaders who have incredible stories and are helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen. You're listening to Happiness 2.02. This is your host, John Tuckums. You're listening to episode 14 with Jamie Saleh. Jamie is a keynote speaker, a gold medal Olympian, and is founder of Jamie Saleh International. While you're listening to this podcast, if anything stands out to you as thought-provoking or remarkable, take a screenshot and write down what you've heard from Jamie. Post the insight on social media, text the idea to a friend, or email what you've learned to a family member. Get this information out there. Without further ado, episode 14 of Happiness 2.02 podcast with Jamie Saleh. So Jamie, time is a finite resource. Underlying everything that you do across your life, your leadership, your speaking engagements, your practice, why do you do what you do? Ultimately, what drives you at your core? Well, I'm very, very passionate about helping individuals and teams and leaders to be able to bring out even more potential than they could without me. And um, the reason why I'm really passionate about this, and I, I was like this as a, as a young uh, teenager as well, I was always um, the first person to help someone that was struggling. Because um, I truly believe that it actually feels good. Because <laughs> I've asked myself mm-hmm. that um, quite a few times, why, why, do I, why do I love helping people? And I think truly um, in my core, it's because I feel good when I can make someone else happy when I can make their day, when I can make even uh, help them change their thinking, or I can just help them have one win. And um, yeah, no, I, I just, I've always really loved um, making a difference. And uh, so I wanted to take that to um, the coaching level after my skating career, because I have, now I have the time, obviously, to yep. do that. And um, yeah, and so it's been really fun building my business and, and connecting with people. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And when you think about, uh, you know, really that, you know, finding more potential, what were some of the earliest uh, kind of exposure where, you know, you're helping out other people? It might have been in, in high school or elementary mm-hmm. school early on, uh, where you just started getting a, a taste of it. Because I think you're, you're probably tremendously focused for many years, uh, mm-hmm. really, you know, working on your own skills, developing in kind of a pair setting. Uh, but where, where early on in your career, uh, did you find that uh, you knew that was something you, you you enjoyed doing? You know what? It's, it goes back even as early as um, when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. Uh, my mom and I were living together. My parents were divorced. And uh, she suffered depression. And she cried herself to sleep a lot. And mm. so I sort of took on that role of, of that a parent would. And I was consoling her and comforting her, writing her letters, calling her at work, playing... Um, you know, uh, songs to her that would help cheer her up. And, um, then I was even finding that like anyone at the skating rink that was struggling, I was always going over to them and, you know, giving them a hug and telling them that, you know, that they're better than this and just really encouraging people at a very young age, um, things that, you know, it's not typical for a 10, 12 year old to be doing that. And my mom actually kept a lot of the letters I wrote her, 
wow. and uh, brought them out at um, my wedding shower. And it was very emotional because I don't remember all of those things um, or those uh, situations where we were, you know, there, there was a lot of struggle and, and the, the words that I used, it was really, I mean, it was powerful, but it was super cute. And then I have had, even at that shower, I had a lot of uh, friends that were there that told stories about when I was the first person at their door when they had lost a parent or I, mm-hmm. they kept the letter that I wrote them or they'll never forget when I, when they were struggling, how I was the one that took the time to come and chat with them. So I knew that when I chose this as a career, this was really my, my calling. And, um, and I, you know, I don't necessarily know exactly, you know, where I'm going. I, I know what I want to do, but I've found that there's so many different facets in coaching that are intriguing for me right now. So I'm sort of, you know, just really in that learning phase still. And I will be forever. I know that even, um, you know, the Tony Robbins and Wayne Dyer, they're always feeling like they're learning, but I just, find that I'm allowing myself to absorb a lot of uh, different teachings right now, which is really exciting. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And you talked about uh, struggle. Can you share just a little bit with the, with the audience in terms of um, you know, some of the adversity that you faced mm-hmm. that you were able to develop and hone your skills, give back early on. Uh, but you can share just a little bit of context around, um, you know, at, a, at a high level, just in terms of kind of the struggle and the adversity that uh, you overcame as a child, um, you know, and able to get through it in, in, a, in, a, in a place where other kids might, you know, not be able to see their own potential. Uh, can you share just a little bit about the kind of the struggle that you went through? Yeah, I, you know, being being in a in a situation with parents divorced and a depression and um, you know a parent that was struggling and with that and and although she was struggling with this, she was still a very positive parent for me. Like whenever I was uh, sad or I was you know lost in some ways, um, mm-hmm. she would always be very comforting to me and supportive, and she was encouraging me to always you know, dream big. And when I would have a bad competition, she would always just tell me it's, it's, you know, that doesn't define me and to keep going and believe in myself. She was great that way. Um, but it was the day to day living that was really a struggle, I think for her, especially. Um, but you know what, it was interesting, John, my, my skating was my outlet because the other thing that I experienced at a young age was, uh, bullying at school. And, Mm. um, and, and a lot of kids are bullied, so I'm not different or special or anything. It's just, um, I was made fun of a lot because I was short and I had short hair. So, uh, you know, and some people used to call me like a boy and <laughs> my aunt was a hairdresser. So she always did experimental haircuts on me, but, gotcha. um, yeah, thanks. Right. Um, and then my last name meant salt, it means salty and in, in English, um, mm-hmm. like there was, you name it, like they always found a way to sort of laugh at me or, and so I spent a lot of time at school in in either the library or the bathroom just hiding because I didn't want to be made fun of and so when I would go skating skating was my outlet it was it was something that I knew at that at that very young age that I was extremely passionate about and it it was my my platform to express myself and to just let go and I felt free out there I felt safe nobody was going to laugh at me Um, at least my skating uh, peers were were kind Um, and supportive and my coach was awesome so I was really fortunate that and my mom knew I loved that so it you know as much as she had a hard time paying for skating that we knew that that was sort of uh, my way of of like 
letting go of all the, the, the struggle in my life and, and being able to feel free out there. And it brought a smile to my face for even a couple hours a day. So mm. I think that really saved me as well. I had something to focus on. And I think that's key for everybody. You have to be passionate about what you're doing, right? They say, especially in your career, you'll never work a day in your life if you love what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you tremendously um, for sharing that, that story. Uh, you talked about uh, that smile on your face, that expression, that free. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you tell a little bit more about those kind of uh, you know, peak experiences, kind of those flow states that, uh, that you'd get into you know, as you'd get out there on the ice and uh, you'd be challenging yourself to find new potential inside you? Uh, mm-hmm. Can you share about how that felt? Uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to put into words uh, when you'd, you'd, you'd be in those, uh, you know, as it relates to breathing or just where your mind was, et cetera. I'd love to hear more about that. That is a very interesting question. I don't think I've ever been asked that. You know, it's, uh, it's really, it is hard to explain. And it's hard to put into words because every day you just show up at the rink with a goal. And you know that you've got something that you've got to work on. And, you know, we, we had three disciplines when I was growing up. We did figures, free skate, and dance. And so, um, you know, I was more into and focused on the free skate aspect. I didn't really love the other two disciplines that we had to do. But um, I just knew as a young girl that I always wanted to be a champion. So every day when I went to the rink, it was like, what do I need to do today to be my best self? And I was mm. very goal-driven. yeah. I mean, it's, I used to write my goals down even when I was sitting in class at school, <laughs> maybe, wow. maybe it wasn't as focused, but I would, I would write goals down. I would just say, I, I am going to the Olympics. And I use the word I am, which is a power statement. Even back then I am, and I yep. will go to the Olympics. I will be a champion. Um, and I would write out, you know, that I'm going to go to nationals one day. And so when I would be skating every day, it was, um, you know, of course I had really hard days. I had days that I felt like I couldn't put one foot in front of the other, you know, you just feel terrible, but, um, but that's life. And I knew it. I knew even then that, you know, even if I sat in that kind of state for even a month, sometimes you just feel like you're not very good. Mm. And, um, but I knew that this is, I always told myself that, this is just what it looks like right now. And it doesn't really matter because I really love the feeling of being out here. And uh, most importantly for me was uh, the expressiveness. And it was like, as soon as music would come on, even if it was someone else's program, I would make up even as as a little girl, maybe, you know, between the age of seven and 10, I would make up my own program to somebody else's music (laughs) just for fun. I know. And I just really enjoyed performing like I I just wanted and I used to visualize a crowd when I was when I was even a little bit older and even before the Olympics I remember visualizing a crowd at 7 a.m in the morning because I felt like if I just looked up in the audience and I would you know visualize faces I would smile up there it would it would just really bring up my energy you know and I've learned all these tools obviously uh, uh, along the way but I felt like it was so fun you know, to know that somebody was watching me and, and I could perform for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. If I could ask just a little bit further, uh, just related to, to champion, uh, that, that's remarkable that you're, you're already thinking about it as an early age. Do you remember the moment that uh, you decided that, you know, cause some kids would be happy. Okay. I just want to get the ribbon. I want to, I want to like the, you know, the red or blue ribbon, whatever the case may be, but you actually decided to shift from, you know, wherever you were prior to that uh, to saying, okay, 
I want to actually become a champion. Do you remember around that time uh, where you, you made that commitment yes. that, and found, oh, great. Yeah, I'd love yes. To so, you know, I would say I always wanted to be great, but I would yep. say when I really realized how far I could go uh, would have been, I mean, it solidified that, that thought anyway. It was watching the 88 Olympics. I knew that, that mm. the world championships at the top you know, would be the world and, and figure skating. But when, when the 88 Olympics came on in Calgary, I was living in Red Deer at the time. So I was 11 and, or almost 11. I was turning 11 that April. And that was when I watched those Olympics and watched Liz Manley finish her program and finish to a silver medal. And I was like, that's where I'm going. I, like I told my mom that I want to go there. I want to experience <laughs> that. And she smiled and said, you know, oh, you know, keep dreaming, kid, you know. Wow. And, and people, and some people even laughed at me and they said that, you know, oh yeah, right. And I've heard so many athletes who've had great success say the same thing that everybody laughed at them along the way. And, you know, the thing is now it's like, well, who's laughing? <laughs> who's exactly. laughing now? Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 So I feel like at a very young age when kids are talking the talk, I mean, it's not everybody. We know that it's like mm. less than 1% that actually make it to the top, but I think it's key when you hear kids, children talking big like this that's the start of success because right away they're setting that intention into the universe, right? Like this is where I'm going and they yep. may not really understand what they're saying, but they know they love it. Right. Yep. And uh, so that's how I was. I used to just go around telling everybody I'm going to be a champion one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Can you share a little bit more about those actual moments and, uh, you know, kind of, when you're in that flow state, that peak state, uh, where your breathing goes to, does it, does it feel still or just other kind of, uh, you know, that sense you, you, you just feel the audience. Can you share just a little bit contextually in those moments, uh, whether it's the, you know, that, that championship performance uh, or you know, one of the big performances leading up to that? Uh, I'd love to hear more about that. I, I would not say um, at competition time it's smooth. <laughs> Yeah. You know, there's a, a, an incredible amount of adrenaline and nerves. And uh, so that takes a lot of training to get to that place where it is. You talk yeah. about the flow where it's really natural and it just sort of happens. Yeah. You, We have to talk to ourselves. We have to focus on our breathing. I think in training, it's a little bit easier. But I remember even getting nervous in training because I wanted to, when my program was about to play, I knew that it meant you know, the way I practice is the way I'm going to compete. So it was yep. important for me every day to do a run through well and a run through of my program. So I would still get nervous, but it was less stressful for me. So at competition, I had to do a lot of visualization work and a lot of breathing techniques, uh, practices so that I could, when I did get to competition and when I got to Salt Lake City in 2002, that was actually, I think, a great example of how all the work that I'd done all over the years where I got into that state where I literally went on autopilot. My body was nervous and I had a lot of adrenaline, but I did feel perfect. I felt just like, it's like I pressed a button and in my brain and I, I just went on autopilot because yeah. I didn't feel like I, Oh, I, I'm not breathing properly. Oh, my, my legs are shaky. I didn't feel any of that. I just went, I went in go mode. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that, just to get a sense of uh, what that felt like stepping onto the ice and yeah. you know, with, the, with the world watching you. It's absolutely yeah. amazing. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And I'd love to find out a little bit more about some of the small things that you do as part of uh, your daily or, or weekly ritual to maintain happiness or well-being in your personal life. Mm-hmm. Life has its ups and downs and uh, whether it's going yes. for a walk or how you start your day or end your day. I'd love to hear yes. more about that. Really important for me to start my day with gratitude. I um, wake up every day and I have my gratitude lists and I, you know, and and I know that everybody goes writing them every day. And I said, well, you can write them, but you know, which is really important. I think writing on paper is important, but even just sitting quiet and still and having a moment of meditation around your gratitude and, and just, again, it's all about what you're putting out in the universe, right? So where you place your attention is what the universe reads as your intention. So if you're focusing on lack and, and, and things that you don't have, that's where you're, that's where that's, that kind of stuff is going to follow you. And so what I, I, and I know that. So when I start my day with gratitude and in in the simplest thing, it can be just, oh, this cup of coffee is just, I'm so grateful for this beautiful, delicious cup of coffee. And then today it was even like, I'm so grateful that I get to do this great interview with John and, and that there's interest in what I'm doing and somebody cares about me. And so it just places you in that higher vibration and I'm grateful for it right? You just, you feel differently for the rest of your day when you come from gratitude. And, um, then the other things that I, I I find it very important as well to do some kind of a workout, um, whether it is just a walk or a bike ride right now and with this beautiful weather, um, or it's just an actual, I used to go to a gym and and do a a workout three times a week. That was very intense for me, but, um, because I'm not an athlete anymore. I feel like my body's going, don't push as hard. (laughs) You know, my body's a little bit tired, but I do feel physical movements very important. Um, and meditation, of course, it's, uh, even taking five minutes in your day just to sit and be calm and still, um, just calming the mind, you know, um, I think it's very, very important. And happiness for me comes within. Nothing around us is going to make make us happy. It starts from within. And uh, that's why I believe that waking up every day with a grateful heart is uh, is a good start. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And, and can you share a little bit more about kind of, uh, do you have any practices in terms of uh, you know, during your day or towards the end of the day uh, too as well? Uh, you Tremendous, uh, you know, uh, insights in terms of, um, you know, your attention, the gratitude list, um, you know, getting in some exercise as part of your day, meditation. Uh, is there mm-hmm. anything that you do, uh, you know, towards the end of the day that really helps uh, set up the next day too as well? Well, I always tell my clients that um, the next day actually starts the night before. And so mm. when people are really struggling or people are still trying to get on that uh, path of this kind of thinking and doing and being, then um, I get them writing out their um, their intention for the night before for the next day. Uh, it just um, they say that your subconscious mind goes to work on that at night. And uh, so that will help you when you get up in the morning you know, set your day off in the right direction. Super important. Um, but for me personally, um, I've been living this way for so long, so it's very natural. So at night, really, it's about turning off. It's really important for me to just really um, unplug and yep. be very present with my family. I have two children and a husband. So, you know, unplugging and we, we jump on a trampoline, we go for walks, we watch movies. We're a very tight knit family, so it's it's really about being present, and that makes me incredibly happy. Even putting them to bed at night and cuddling them, and just being so mm. grateful that my children are healthy and happy. And so, we don't really have rituals per se, but it's um, we're always about um, 
you know, what can we do together to, to we're, we're a very playful family. Yeah. Um, for me, it's very important to, to find playfulness in your day. Uh, can I ask a little bit just more what uh, unplug means for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, you share with yes, the audience. for sure. Unplugging is, to, you know, being off your phone. How many times do you, you know, before COVID, we would see people, um, you know, you'd meet people for dinner and everyone would have their cell phones on the table and, or you'd be at someone's house visiting and there would be a, a party and everybody's on their phones. And so I've made a very conscious effort to, it's like in my purse, it's away. So at home, especially when the children are there, um, they know that I'm working in the mornings, but like once I'm done work and sometimes I'll, I'll have emails that I've got to get done at night that just show up and I don't have to respond, but there's something specific that I needed to have in or whatever. And I left it to the end of the day. That's fine. But typically when I'm present with my kids, unplugging means putting your phone away, whether it maybe even turning it off. So you don't hear any of the ding dings. My mm-hmm. computer is shut. It's put away. You don't get to any emails or any social media stuff. It's just, it's, it's family time. Absolutely beautiful. I'd love to shift gears a little bit uh, in terms of uh, you talked about uh, the next day starts with uh, the night before with mm-hmm. clients. Uh, can you share uh, more about uh, kind of the pro- projects, initiatives that you're working on uh, and uh, the clients that you work with too as well, uh, just so that uh, the audience knows about uh, you know the practice that you have? Mm-hmm. Well, so with coaching, it's, what I do is uh, with individual coaching, I do some executive coaching as well. Mm-hmm. The individual coaching is really about visioning. And um, most people that come to me, like I have all I have all kinds of clients, but typically the, the biggest thing is that they feel a little bit um, out of sorts or just a little bit lost. And they feel that they've been doing the same thing over and over again, and, and they're not getting different results. And so, um, and and in that spectrum, I've got, you know, from A to Z. So, (laughs) you know, you've got someone that's extremely lost and, and, and in the gutters and just feeling like they don't even know how to wake up in the morning to somebody who's had success and they own a business, but they just want to reach that next level. So I've Mm. got all kinds, but it's really about visioning and focusing, laser focusing on that vision of what is, what you would love in your life, because we typically ask ourselves what we can do based on our conditions or our circumstances. For example, you know, with the economy, the way it is, people will go, well, I can't have that. So I'm not going to put that in my vision. Well, that's not possible. Or my family, my family would never like me to do that. Or they would tell me I can't do that. Or my job says I can't, or my bank account says I can't. But if you actually allowed yourself to sit there and say, what would I absolutely love and forget all the conditions in our life? Just forget Mm -hmm. everything. But if you wrote a vision out of what you would absolutely love, you'll get a very different answer. And and I know that even just thinking about it right now, John, for you, you would. And you would sit there and go, oh, my gosh, yeah, my I would expand way more and I would allow myself to to dream bigger. And so that's what I get people to do is really unleashing their potential through through visioning. And then from there. Um, there's, uh, different pro I have two different programs that I take people through, but typically each week we talk about a different topic. And so we go from like, you know, sense of deserving to befriending fears to forgiveness. Forgiveness is a big, big topic for me with my clients. A lot of us have had trauma in our life and, it, and, and trauma is not to be compared because everybody's is different, but, um, they have somebody in their life that they really have not forgiven. And that's really holding them back. And you don't realize it is because you think you've moved on in your life. But if you can't get to a place of forgiveness, you're not also allowing yourself. Because um, the, the most important person that, that in the forgiveness uh, practice is you. 
because if you're keeping someone in jail, you're the jailer and the jailer also suffers. So that's why forgiveness is really, really important. So we talk about many different topics. And in those topics, um, of course, there's a lot of discussion around what they're personally going through and even my personal experiences. So my clients really love the vulnerability and the relatability that I share with them. Because uh, as much as I'm an Olympic gold medalist, I too have had struggles. I have struggles today, you know, but it's about over, how do you overcome them? Well, it's learning to, it's learning to talk to that fear or those paradigms and tell them that, you know what, I mean business and this is where I'm going and you can speak to me all you want, but you know, typically fear is the loudest, right? And so you say fear, I'm doing it anyway. And that's what I teach my clients is, is how I give them the tools and, um, the tools and the exercises to be able to work through these conditions that they're in so that they too can all, then they can have success. Absolutely amazing. And just, uh, you know, your story in terms of, you know, the struggle that you went through in your childhood and still really latching onto, you know, and focusing on your dreams Mm -hmm. early on and Mm -hmm. being able to, you know, to share your stories of the ups and downs along the way, uh, mm-hmm. That culminated in you know, absolutely peak experiences. Uh, Olympic gold medal is absolutely amazing, and uh, and to be able to share that with clients and, and in a vulnerable fashion is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything more just related to? Because I understand that you have a coaching practice, but you're also working with other organizations too as well, and maybe uh, they're a part of uh, the same coaching. Uh, I understand that you're working with the the Special Olympics as well. Yes, uh, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, well, I've been part of the Special Olympic movement for, I guess it would be almost eight years now. And uh, this is a, an incredibly emotional, um, I guess, uh, organization that I'm involved in because I was first invited out to an event. And from that moment on, I was addicted. And what it was for me with these athletes is, and so just to be clear for your for your listeners, Special Olympics is a movement for people with intellectual disabilities. And so Mm. they range from the, as young, like we have a program for little kids, but when people, uh, athletes are competing around the world, we have world games. And so, so there's winter games and there's summer games, just like we would for the generic athletes. I'm a generic athlete. And, uh, so I think I've seen a six-year-old or an eight-year-old and then all the way up to like 75. So it, it, there's no age category really per se. It's more about um, they categorize them by their talents, like our, how, how good they are in the sports. And so it's a very different kind of um, way of doing it, but it, it works well. The athletes don't care. So what I got out of it was seeing the athletes' joy, just mm. pure joy and camaraderie when they would get together and just cheering each other on and, and even cheering on, I mean, they get, they get very competitive, which is funny and and fun to watch, but, um, you know, they would even cheer on their, their competitors. And, um, so when I was watching them and, and seeing the, how much fun they were having, it brought me back to being a kid again when I, and why I started figure skating. And so I just, I really just, I embraced that event. And then I said, how can I be more involved? And ever since then, I just see this as a, as a lifetime commitment for me being involved with these athletes. I've gone to, um, I've been on the national board. I've been on the Alberta board. Uh, and I continue to raise money for special Olympics, Alberta. I've, I've been to a couple world games. 
as an honorary coach, that was an actual really special time for me when Mm -hmm. I went to the opening ceremonies to meet Team Canada and they all started chanting my name. It was just like Uh, super emotional. Yeah, it was really special. Probably a highlight in my life, actually. I was crying. I was very emotional. I just, I couldn't believe that, you know, I think uh, we had a hundred and something like 120 athletes just chanting, Jamie, Jamie. Yeah, it was really cool. And uh, so, yeah, these athletes are very special to me. I I love talking to them. Um, You know, they love having me around because they like hearing my story. But, you know, another thing, John, that I appreciate very much is as much as they, some of them know that I am an Olympic gold medalist, most of them don't really get that or understand that. They just love me. Ah, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, And so that's what I really love. There's, there's absolutely zero judgment and they just, they, Jamie's here and then they come over to me and they'll start talking to me and they, some of them will talk skating. They don't know I'm not done skating, but they'll talk skating, but they just, they just, they like you for who you are. And so right away, I just feel like there's just a huge acceptance acceptance uh aspect to that for me you know where it's like sometimes you walk into a room of 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 um like in an event and everybody's like oh there's there's the olympic gold medalist you know there's jamie soleil and now all of a sudden you're important right whereas with these athletes they don't care who you are they love you if you're kind and you're nice and you're open and you're willing to have fun with them and that's what i love the most yeah and just allow you to be yeah be present yeah yeah absolutely amazing um yeah, just you, you unpack so much there in terms of, and, and this is also an opportunity to give back to as well. And Love the commitment, the commitment to a lifetime—that's, you know, that's <laughs> significant. You know, when you're saying yep. that, and uh, it's absolutely amazing. And was that that was very early on? I, I get the sense that uh, you're like, I just want to be involved with this. Um, well, interesting though, John. When I was a young younger child, I used to tell my mom that I wanted to work with people that had Down syndrome. And because we had a family member or a friend down the street when my mom was growing up who we were still close to. And I always said, I I just loved him. He was so special. Mm. And um, I said, Mom, I want to work with people like that. And I want to, and I didn't know why. Like I was probably six, seven years old when I was talking like this. So here I am working with people with intellectual disabilities now as an adult. And I just think it's so powerful. And I, I, I have... And it, there's no discrimination. It, like we have all kinds, you know, there's autistic, there's people with Down syndrome, there's, there's all kinds. Um, I'm not only with Special Olympics because of the Downs uh, individuals, but I just love all of them. And I love seeing um, they, they're changing my life and mm. they're, they're opening my eyes to what is really important. Like they keep me grounded. I've always said that every time I go to an event, these guys really keep me grounded in the sense of like really remembering what life is all about. And the simple yeah. things that we, we tend to forget that we take for granted, you know, these athletes, just some of them finishing is a big deal and celebrate that, like celebrating the wins and how important it is. Some days you just feel like, you know, today I got out of bed. Maybe that's a win. Right. And some of them, you know, is, is there's, they're great athletes. So it's all about like striving to be like the generic athletes. So you have all kinds there, but their whole, you know, their whole thing is just like, is just taking that pride in, in showing up and being the best that they can in that moment. And that's sometimes what we take for granted, right? Because we have two legs and two arms and, and our brain works very well. And 
And uh, so we, we, and we tend to sit in a lot of our, our stinking thinking, as I call it, and whereas yeah. they don't do this. And so it's really powerful, actually. I highly yeah. recommend getting to an event around you. Special Olympics is everywhere. And uh, if you can find out where they, and right now, obviously, they're, they're probably not very much going on. But, um, you know, even in six months to a year from now, if you can get out to a Special Olympic event, you'll see what I mean. Thank you tremendously for, for sharing your, your story in terms of your struggles early on uh, with, uh, with your My childhood, pleasure. with parents, uh, really enabling yourself to, to dream big and to mm-hmm. really to focus on your, your goals and achieve them. Uh, and as part of that journey now, uh, helping other people, you know, really get to their next level to find their full potential exactly. uh, and also giving back to, you know, people that are tremendous mm-hmm. people. And mm-hmm. they also remind you that what's really important in life. Uh, Jamie, where can people find you? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, so I have a website. It's Jamie Soleil or Jamie. There was no exontague over the E, but it's jamiesale.com. And um, I'm also on social media. So I'm on LinkedIn. It's just Jamie Soleil. Uh, Facebook is Jamie Soleil International. And uh, Instagram is Jamie Soleil Life Coach. And Twitter is Jamie Soleil. Uh, do you have any parting words for the audience in terms of happiness, well-being, full potential, uh, just to, to, you know, to share with the audience? Well, you know what? I think the biggest, you wrapped it up really nicely, John. And I think the biggest thing that everybody needs to remember is that the only thing that really holds us back is our attitude in life. And uh, because we are, what's inside of us is far greater than any challenge we will ever face. And so I just encourage all of you always to dream big and to, you know, continue to believe in yourself. And um, I think, you know, I think it's really important always to think of growth, personal growth. If, you know, they, I've even heard um, other wise people and in, in, in the teachings of saying, like, if you're not growing, you're dying. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I think it's, it, that's actually a really powerful statement because it's not like you're, you're, you're literally dying, but it's like emotionally and spiritually. And I think when we're growing always, that's where we see the magic happen. And so, but just to remember that we all have incredible power in us and anything is possible. Jamie, thank you for your leadership, your speaking engagements, your practice, and all the happiness oxygen you bring to the world. And a tremendous thank you to all the listeners. As always, this has been your host, John Tuckums. You have made it to the end of the podcast. It's your host, John Tuckums. I want to take this moment to sincerely thank you. I'm incredibly grateful for the time you are taking to invest in your life. And if you gained something valuable from this episode and want to give me value somehow, I would tremendously appreciate if you went to Apple Podcasts, iTunes. If you have an Apple product where you listen to this podcast and leave this show a review, you are free to send me a message or email. Contact information is in the description below. Thank you again for listening and thank you for your contributions in helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen.